Okay, if you would then, please turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 3. I'll be reading Galatians, chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Blessed is the reading of God's holy word through the Apostle Paul. Let's pray. Father, help me this morning with this difficult to interpret text. You had your servant Paul in this context write these words these this way. Therefore, we trust that He had meaning. And we're desperate to know that meaning so that we don't make the error of falling into works of the law. But be inheritors of eternal life through Jesus Christ by faith alone, which is seen by a walk a life of faith in Him. So to that end, help me unfold this passage. And don't leave us there, but break our hearts, soften our hearts, let our hearts receive this Word implanted into the core of our being to the glory of Jesus. Amen. (coughs) When Paul says here, all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. He means those persons who approach God through their own law doing. Here's right, here's wrong, God has spoken, I will do it. And that's my approach. To God. Religions are the devil's playground. The deception of, I'm okay with my Creator, with the Holy God, because I'm trying. I'm trying harder. I'm doing religion and I am improving myself, therefore, I'm good with Him. That is the sermon that Satan preaches over and over and over again. Do this. Don't do that. Be better than yesterday. Then you will be safe after death. That's his sermon. Paul, by the Spirit, has a totally different understanding of an approach 
to God. And what makes the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians found here in the New Testament so shocking is that it pronounces a curse, condemnation, particularly on professing Christians who think that now, okay, I believe in Jesus, and I will turn now to my law doing to be my ultimate ticket to heaven. And so, before we look at the text, I just want to help you pose some questions in your own heart and in your own mind. As the Apostle Paul tells all believers, check yourself to see if you are in the faith. So, Question, are you presently in your life walking with Christ? Are you in spiritual union with Jesus Christ by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Are you an inheritor of Abraham's blessing? of justification and eternal life? If that's true and you say yes, this text is telling you and me then you better not be a person who lives by works of the law. But only by faith. Day after day after day after day. By a heart of trusting in your Savior and trusting in the Father and trusting in His holy written Word. Just like Abraham. So, ask yourself these kinds of questions in light of our text. Ask yourself, why do I come to church? Why do I sing praises to God? Why do, why do I read my Bible? Why do I pray? Why do I strive to keep myself away from sexual sin, which is defined as any sex? with another person outside the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. Why do I do that? Why do I serve other people in the local church? Why do I give away 10% of everything I earn to God? Why do I go to small groups in other words, why do I do any of these foundational Christian activities? Is it because you are doing works of the law? Or is it because as a genuine Christian, you are living with a heart response daily to God of faith? 
trust. Let me just define it a little bit different. That you're after your own happiness and joy daily in your obedience to the Father in His Word as a person who's already justified by Christ through union with Christ, which came at the very first spring of faith. One pathway leads to judgment day and the pronouncement of the curse. And the other pathway leads to judgment day and the final vocal verdict. Justified. Enter into the joy of the Master. The message of the letter to Galatians as a whole is essentially this. You do not start the Christian life by faith in Jesus and then you turn to another track called works of the law. And nor because of faith in Jesus and the grace of Christ do you turn to this other horrific doctrine within the church called antinomianism or you're turning to, hey, I'm saved by grace, so I have a license to be disobedient. To God. That's where Paul will go later in the book. The cross leads to neither one of those paths. So, are you there, Galatians 3? We're picking up where we left off now here in verse 10. And I want you to notice the very first word of verse 10. Four. What that means is, this section now, beginning at verse 10 all the way to at least verse 14, is Paul's explanation or clarity of what he just said in verses 6 to 9, which could be summarized essentially this way. Those who are of faith are the ones who inherit the Abrahamic blessing of justification or salvation and of eternal life. And now... Feel it? Okay. That those are the ones who inherit. Verse 10. For, and now what he does, it's not a ground in a sense of underneath it supporting what he said. It's, a, it's an explanation by saying, oh, you want to flip it around? Here's the negative of that. If you're of faith, you get eternal life. Verse 10. If you're of the works of the law, which by definition therefore means there's no faith, really, you get the curse. He says, those who are of that mindset of works of the law, not faith, will not inherit the blessing. But instead, they are under the curse of the law of Moses, the condemnation of the law. Now, if you've been here through the whole context of the book of Galatians, there is a group of people within the church who pride themselves on their performance of the works of the law. And they want to push other people to join their group because we do these things. How could you actually be saved by Jesus if you don't do what we do? And Paul's letter at the core is a warning to the Galatian Christians to not join 
that group. And the reference to curse, for those of you who know your Bible well, you know where it's coming from. Deuteronomy chapter 27 through chapter 30. That whole section where Moses sets before Israel the alternatives of blessing by keeping God's law or the curse for rebelling against His law. So, let's read again verse 10. Hear it. For all who are of the works of the law are under a curse. There's a statement. Now he argues for it. Why? Because it is written. And now he'll quote from Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26. It's written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law of Moses. First five books of the Bible and where particularly the laws are given. Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Okay, let's slow down now and summarize because we've seen the term law and the works of the law before. What's going on here? What does Paul mean by works of the law? For Paul, that term... In the context, works of the law is His way of referring to people using their own doing of the law of Moses as their pathway into justification in order to be okay and made right with God. If you remember back in chapter 2, verse 18, Paul said... And remember, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees before his conversion to Jesus. He said, I tore down that approach to God. I tore down that way of thinking I can be saved by my law doing. And therefore, he went on to say, to rebuild that structure like these professing Christians are trying to do, to rebuild that structure of life towards God, is itself a transgression against God. Because the law of Moses came to reveal sin and to condemn us sinners. The law that came, which is perfect, it's righteous, it's good, cannot be the means of any of us sinners being acquitted of our sin or being justified before God. And so what Paul means here by works of the law is the thinking that you're doing a command is somehow offering a righteousness to God that allows you, because of what you did, to stand before God is righteous. That's a work of the law. Thinking that our law-doing, law-keeping is a means that provides our justification. 
that provides our salvation, that provides our right standing with God, that thinking is what Paul condemns as works of the law. Being under the law of Moses in that sense is deadly because none of us in this room, none of us who are born as sinners can succeed in using the law as our way to get right with God. It is an impossibility. Think about it though. But if there were a human being who somehow was born without sin nature, and then lived in perfect obedience of a heart of trust in God, then His obedience of faith would be a constant, clear expression of His righteousness before God. And that's precisely what Jesus came to do before He then put away the curse of the law by the sacrifice of Himself. And He lived in perfect human righteousness as one who was never separated from God, as one who was never a sinner, as one who was in perfect communion with the Father. And He came to live under the law. And it was the expression of His perfect righteousness. This is what Paul goes on to say few sentences down in chapter 4, verse 4. And when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And we have seen over the last two months that Jesus' perfect human obedience, perfect righteousness is imputed, put to the account of every sinner who embraces Him by a heart of faith. He is our righteousness. And that's what the New Testament means. We are justified made righteous by faith in Christ alone. And so, hold that. That's why Paul says, now go back to our text, and start with verse 9, we'll flow into verse 10. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith, for all who are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to do them. His point is, if you want to claim that you're partial law-keeping of circumcision 
kosher diet, festival keeping, washings ceremonially, your law keeping of not committing adultery, of tithing. You can go on and on. He says, if you want to now go on and assume that any of your partial law keeping is part of the foundation of the cause of your justification, your eternal salvation, then you have to realize you are indebted to keep all the law. You can't. And so you're under a curse. That's what Paul's getting at. You, you can see it again if you just flip over a page to chapter 5 for a second, where he's gonna, what, what he's going to say in chapter 5, verses 2 to 4. Paul writes to them, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, this is one of the main laws that was at stake concerning works of the law and the doctrine of the Judaizers. I say to you that if you join their group, you accept circumcision, then Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he, here it is, is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. He's saying if you, Galatians, want to listen to them and provide any of your own acts as the basis of your right standing with God, then you must provide acts in relation to the entirety of the Mosaic law. And they fall from Christ. This is why Paul calls it not a twist on the Gospel. It becomes no Gospel at all. Because Jesus the Christ did it all. And He offers to us His positive righteousness in His passive obedience of the crucifixion where our sin was punished. He offers it as grace. If you turn to works of the law then, Paul says, then Christ's life, Jesus' death will not be for you. It will be on Judgment Day you And the document before you called the law of God and God. And you don't want to be there like that. Because the document has already made it clear. Condemnation. The curse of righteous judgment. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. 
Notice right there in verse 10 that that curse that comes, according to Paul, is not because you, in the first part of the verse, it's not because you fail to do the works of the law. It's because you do do them. For all who rely on, reliance and interpretation, just for some of you Greek nuts, it's genitive of. For all who are of the works of the law. This party, that's your life. You're of that. That's what you do. Because you do that. You do the works of the law. You're under a curse. You've got to get it straight. The works of the law that Paul's talking about there are not at all the works he talks about in Ephesians 2. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. For you were created in Christ Jesus for good works that were prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Those are totally different than what he's talking about. Remember the issue is the motivation behind why they're doing it. And and this was why Paul brought up Titus in chapter 2. Way back, we're here in Jerusalem. And not even Titus, who was a non-Jew, uncircumcised, not even Titus, with all the pressure of this party within the church, not even Titus was compelled to be circumcised. That's the issue. Or later in Antioch, when Peter's hypocrisy, walking out of step with the truth of the gospel, and the other Christian Jews, when it came to kosher diet, laid out in the law of Moses. If you turn to doing the works of the law, that's what puts you under the curse. So at the core of the works of the law mentality is that it itself misconstrues the whole purpose and the whole intention of God's law through Moses. The overarching lesson of the law of Moses in the Bible is that any of us who are all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, born into sin, any of us without the Holy Spirit's miracle of new birth, regeneration, bringing us alive to God with a heart of faith, and then from there, like Abraham or David or Joshua or Moses, we obey God from a heart of faith as those who are already justified by His mercy, by His grace. The whole lesson of the law is, apart from that, all your efforts to be a law keeper are in and of themselves sinful, legalistic, strivings of the flesh. A failure and it brings a curse. This is why Aunt Sue and Uncle Jimmy and the good neighbor down the street who is a really nice person is really and justly under the curse. Look at verse 11.
Now in verse 11, Paul gives his second reason why the attempt to be okay with God or made right with God or justified by your own doing of the law, why it leads to the curse of condemnation. Verse 11. Now, it is evident, it's clear, that no one is justified before God by the law. Why? Here's his argument. For, and now he quotes Habakkuk 2.4, For, excuse me, the righteous shall live by faith. That's why. It's clear. Okay, slow down. In other words, it is impossible, he's saying, to get justified, to be made right in good standing with God by our own law doing. He says, that's clear. But instead, what? Those who are justified. He gave Abraham, who was even before the law, gave an example. Or David after the law. But instead, those who are justified, goes to Habakkuk, in other words, who? The righteous not a righteousness of their own, those who are just, they are the ones who are living by faith, by their trust in God, which implicitly means in His mercy, in His, in His grace, like Abraham, or like David. Faith, in other words. A, a childlike, who else has the words of life? Who else is as beautiful? And is as all satisfying as you, oh God. That, that's faith. Faith has always been the means from the fall of man onward. Always it has been the means of a person getting or becoming justified. It has never been, okay, you non-faith person, dead to God, really don't like Him, but you do religion and do law, no one was ever or could ever or was ever promised to be justified or made right by God that way. Without being raised from the dead spiritually, called Jesus called it, New birth. That new birth producing a heart of faith, which that faith is what justifies before God, ultimately in Jesus Christ. Without that, then the law of Moses comes to us human beings within religion or without. The law of Moses to us is only a law of sin. Death. Pronouncing my death. It's all it is. I don't mean the law is sinful. It's perfect, righteous, and good. All it can do is shine the mirror upon how sinful you are. And thus you're condemned. It only, God's perfect, holy, righteous law, only, reveals my sin and pronounces just condemnation upon me. But then new birth comes. 
New birth in response to God's Word on this side of the cross, in response to the clarity of Jesus Christ in the Gospel. And a person is miraculously made alive and come to faith, and they are justified. It's all done. What's happened? Their entire relationship to God's law is changed. That law to them, because of Christ, is no longer their condemnation. They stand perfectly righteous before their Creator because of Jesus' righteousness. And their guilt has been washed away by the sacrifice. And now, that's all gone. The law can't do that to me anymore. And then what do they do? Well, they rip God's truth about murder and love God with all your heart and love others as yourself out of the Bible and throw it away. No, that's not what they do. Now they're alive by the Spirit. And now their disposition as those who are justified before God's holy law of Moses or all the law in the New Testament is totally different. It's the work of the Spirit as those who are already justified. Okay, I preached it. I'm going to do this. I'm doing it. Now I'm going to show you where I get it. Romans 8.1 There is therefore, after laying out the gospel of our precious Savior Jesus Christ, there is therefore now zero condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation. That is, no curse of the law for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now watch. For the law, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. He explains how. For God has done what the law of Moses, weakened by our sinful nature, that's what he means, weakened by the flesh. The law could not do, can't justify you. But God did how? By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin He condemned my sin in His flesh. It's paid for over. So Paul says in our text, the just, those who are just like that, what are they? They're not living according to works of the law mentality. They are living day by day by faith. For the just or the righteous shall live by faith. Now this is a very complex text. I know. Trust me. I know. And Let me just give another shot. I'm trying to give the flow of the text here. What Paul's doing in verses 11 and 12. Okay? Alright. 
First, in the first part of verse 11, He's saying, the law can't justify you. You're a sinner. You're guilty. It only can condemn you as the law of sin and death. In other words, it's clear no one is justified by the law. Okay? Now, the second part of verse 11. That justification for the righteous, the righteous, has it happened? That happens only by faith springing up in your heart towards God in Christ. That's how it happens. That's it. Then, in verse 12, it gets tricky. Then he says, But the law is not of faith. Rather, quote, the one who does them shall live by them. He's saying, the law is not a matter of faith. Okay, let's stay with the context. The law that he's been talking about is not a matter of faith in the sense of a person who's not of faith, a person who is not justified. They're seeking to be justified by their law doing. There's no faith in that at all. That's his point. Paul is contrasting saving faith with a distorted, legalistic approach to the law of God. They are under a curse, according to verse 10, not because they fail to do the works of the law, but because they do the works of the law. They do actively live by that approach. And that's why they're under a curse. Now again, so you know, verses 11 and 12 are really, really complex. There are different views on how to take what he's doing in verse 12, why he quotes Leviticus 18.5 there. And I'm not going to bring you down to the weeds of that. It's hot enough and you would really lose it. I'm not going to do that. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to in short say, this is where I come down. This is my understanding of what Paul's doing here in verses 11 and 12 and verse 10. In the context, in verse 10, his term, all who are of the works of the law. What Paul precisely means by that is this sinful approach to law doing. Okay? He means sinful legalism, which the law never demanded. He means his former life as a Pharisee. As to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, persecuted the church. As to the righteousness in the law, according to what I thought, I was blameless. Was he? He wasn't blameless for God, though. In that religious system, he was. He means that approach, sinful legalism, in verse 10, right? So in verse 11, he contrasts that legalism with faith with a person coming alive to God. By faith. And therefore, in verse 12, when he says, but the law is not of faith, what does he mean by the law there? I think he means that legalistic approach to the law 
as, as seeking to be justified by my law doing, adding to even my so-called faith in Christ, which is a larger context, he says, there is really no, no faith in that approach of law doing. It's against faith. That law is not of faith. But instead, and then he quotes Leviticus 18. The one who does them shall live by them. Why does he do it? Okay. I think he does it because that text was a first century Pharisaic slogan. It was Paul's slogan and it's most likely the slogan of the Judaizers. Got it from Leviticus. Those, the one who does them, shall live by them. This is what we do. And so he's saying, I'll prove to you that the mentality of sinful Jewish legalism has nothing to do with faith. Here's their slogan. Do them. And do them. And everything is in your doing them. That's how they speak. And there's my argument. I think he's quoting Leviticus 18.5. As their, that is works of the law people, their ongoing mantra as their foundation. And so Paul is saying this approach of Jewish pride, badges, circumcision, kosher diet, festivals. We wash this way, Jesus, before we eat. And we don't do this and we don't do that. That prideful, look at us, we're somehow special that they couldn't take it when Paul would preach to non-Jews, you can be saved and right with God without becoming Jewish. They couldn't take it. It offended their pride so much. Paul is saying that Jewish prideful approach to God is summarized in their slogan. We do the law. We are the ones who live by them. That's what we are to do. And Paul says that's not of faith. Paul's whole argument is that that wrong approach to God and to God's law is precisely why the Judaizers or Paul himself as a Pharisee is precisely why those who don't live by faith alone in Christ as Jews in the first century, or by implication anyone else, but this is precisely why they totally missed God's whole purpose to justify people by faith and not by law doing. Okay, I'm just going to do one thing. I'm going to turn you to Romans 9 and just let, I'm going to read it slowly to say, is this not what Paul says here? Romans 9, 30 to 32. Paul writes, What shall we say then? Okay, you've got to stop. He's talking about his fellow Jews. He's a Jew who's been born again. Come to faith in Jesus, his whole world turned upside down. His eyes have opened to how he abused the law and he was in such deception. 
And Jesus is His Savior. And He says, but the vast majority, as He's writing here in the middle of the first century, the vast majority of Jews from town to town, city to city, province to province, are rejecting Jesus as their Messiah. Only a remnant are being saved. Okay, got it? What shall we say then to this? This is what's happening. That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness... Okay. Stop for a second. Think about the mindset of the Pharisees Jesus would encounter constantly. They're very religious. They're pursuing righteousness. Okay? Paul was pursuing righteousness. Gentiles, <laughs> live and let live. There's a temple. they got prostitution at this one and the other. I mean, they're, just, they're not pursuing righteousness. They only have a category, most of them, for righteousness. But the Gospel goes out now to the Jew first and to the Gentile. And the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained righteousness. The Gospel comes, I believe, and they're changed and they're made right with God. They've attained it. That is, a righteousness that comes by faith. But that Israel, the Jews who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, they did not succeed in reaching that law or that righteousness through the law. How come? See the next word? Why? Answer, because they did not pursue it by faith. Like David did. But instead, notice his words, as if, What's the implication here? Clear in the Greek, clear in the English. It never was. But as if righteousness were to be had or based upon your works. Okay. That's the best I can do with the text. I would love to talk to you about the text if you want. So then, as I close then, over the next ten minutes, This text that we have read and pondered and tried to unfold is very relevant to every soul in this room today. If you're outside of Christ, good news, you can't work your way into salvation. Great news, Christ did it all put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself after living a perfect human life. And that is granted freely to all who open their hands. I want that. If you see Jesus in that message as the treasure of treasures to you, when no one's looking, then you believe and you're saved. Now having said that, say, Dear Christian, This text says to us, do not live by your sinful flesh under the law of God. Don't do it. But live by ongoing faith. Trust in Jesus. Trust in the Father. Trust in the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. You're doing all of that trusting in light of what He says to you in the written 
Word of God. Believer, know that whether it was last week or 40 years ago, when your eyes were opened by the Holy Spirit to the truth of salvation in Jesus, what happened was that you fell into the arms of the Savior. Don't ever jump out of His arms into works of the law. But continue, continue in that same childlike dynamic in your day-to-day walk in the grace and the mercy and the power of the Spirit. In other words, don't live by mere external rules, even if rules that say, Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you look at those only as external rules that you tape to the refrigerator, you may be trying to do those in your flesh called works of the law. But daily, the, the law, the black letters, they come and they say, I fall back into your arms, Jesus. This is impossible to be worked through me now as one who is justified if it weren't for you. In other words, you live by your union with Christ. Do you pray? Do you joyfully sit in the presence of the Word? presence of God when no one's looking is a desperate soul. This is Christian living. This is the place where the power of God is bearing fruit for the rest of your day. And so as I began the sermon with a series of questions, I'm going to Re-ask them here now at the end in light of what we heard. Why do you go to church? (coughs) Why do you sing praises? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you pray? Why do you fight against sexual sin that it not be found in you? Why do you serve in the church? Why do you give away 10% of hard-earned money? Why do you go to home group? Is it because you are doing works of the law? Or is it because of a heart of faith? Because I want to be happy. Because I trust Him. In His Word is that person who is saved in Jesus. Are you kidding me? Does it come from there? The message of Galatians as a whole is you don't start the Christian life by this heart of faith in Christ and then move on to some other pathway called works of the law or called a license for disobedience. Neither one. Listen to how Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting with verse 15. Yes, to this day, got to get his context here, whenever Moses is read, okay, he means the law of Moses, the Torah. 
the first five books and where the law is contained within the larger law, whenever Moses is read by his fellow Jews who are unconverted to Christ, therefore they don't have hearts of faith, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts and their hearts are unmoved because they're not born again. But, watch this, what happens when a person, Jew or Gentile, becomes a Christian? But when one turns to the Lord, the veil of their heart is removed. Not the books of Moses. They don't get removed. They're still there. The veil of the heart is removed as you look at Moses. And now watch. And he says, now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, here's Christianity. There is freedom. Not license to sin. Freedom to obey, to love, and to fail. And there is therefore now no condemnation. There is freedom when you're born of the Spirit through Christ. And we all, therefore, with unveiled face, as you see, we still got the book before us, are beholding the glory of the Lord. And thus something's happening in us. We are being transformed, changed. Behaviors are changing by it into the same image. Of God's glory from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As saved people, as justified people, as people who belong to Christ, and eternal life is ours. He says, You are free. free to adore Jesus. You're free because you see Him as the treasure in the field and you covered it up because you didn't know in the field and you run home in joy and you sell all that you own so you can buy the field. You're free to enjoy Him and to obey Him and to sacrifice for others for His sake. To give of your time, your money, your talents because you can trust Him. That's true freedom. And so, that's the answer to the questions I posed. That's why Christians do foundationally Christian things. That's why you as a believer pray. You're free. That's why you read your Bible. That's why you joyfully enjoy the fellowship of others. That's why you yearn to be a blessing and love others who need something that you have. That's why you go to church on Sunday or Wednesday. That's why you resist sexual sin for joy's sake. That's why you sacrifice, why you serve, why you tithe, why you love others. Why? Because of the freedom of what faith by the Spirit really 
is. So, close by quoting Paul. See if you hear it. The law of the Spirit of life has set you free, believer, in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by our flesh could not do for us by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. And now we're free, because He goes on, listen to Him, in order that now in your Christian walk, the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Praise God for such freedom. Father, You are good because all that was said here today, all that was unfolded in Galatians 3.10-12 is because You did not hold back Your eternal Son. You gave Him through Mary. And then You delivered Him up And You punished Him on behalf of all who come to this freedom of faith. You are good. Oh, what a salvation. We thank You as we wake up each day approaching our own sinful, God-hating inclinations that we are being changed from one degree of glory to another only because You through Your Son, have reached down and raised us spiritually from the dead to be in Him and to be justified by Him and to live each day knowing there is, therefore, on this journey, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, work these things in us, Your people, to the glory of His holy name. Amen.